Won't that be an awesome time? Let's turn today, if you would, to the book of Philemon, a little small book in the New Testament, book of Philemon. So grateful we can be together again today in the presence of the Lord. And he comes with a need on your heart, your life before the Lord. We believe he's mindful of all of them, don't we? This is a very, very small book as far as chapters and verses, but it's a very powerful book and what it contains for the lives of God's children. Philemon, verse 5. Hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, you see, someone who really loves the Lord Jesus right loves his people. Amen. People who say they love God and don't love his people, they don't really know the love of God yet. Amen. Amen. Now, notice in verse 6 that the communication of thy faith may become effectual. That the communication of thy faith, how do you communicate? Faith. Now, notice he says that the communication of thy faith may become effectual. Now, this was a great Christian, loved the Lord, but there was some more that this brother needed, and that was that his faith might become more effectual to become communicated. The word effectual means powerful, active, energetic, and perfected in full knowledge, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual. Now listen how it's going to happen. Raising the dead, Brother Donnie, walking on the water, casting out devils, healing the sick. Well, that's not what Paul told this brother. May become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. You mean that's one of the ways that our own faith becomes more energetic. How many believes in the Lord? How many believes in God? Believes there's a heaven? Believes there's a hell? Of course. Of course we all believe that. That's why you're here today. But we desire that our faith will be more energetic. Do we not? That it'll produce what God's Word says. Notice in verse 7. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Wow. What a child of God. So the way the Hebrews looked at it, the bowels mean, of course, something totally different to us, but to them it was the seed of the passions. It was something there within you that you couldn't describe. I want you to notice here that verse 7 shows us that this brother Philemon was a refreshing Christian and the kind of man that others appreciated. How many wants to be that today? Just a refreshing Christian. Sort of like you've been out in the hot and you've been working and sweating and you are so tired and you're just exhausted. And somebody goes to bring you your favorite drink, whatever that is, whether it's hot or cold to you. 
but yet it just so refreshes you. This is what God wants his people to be, refreshing Christians. You know, the church at Colossus actually met at the home of this brother, Philemon, and his wife, Aphia. Now, this is where that the church was held. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And the church said, Amen. we're going to pray, but before we do, um, Brother Phil and Sister Ruth Priest, maybe you probably know that their son, uh, little newborn son, Jonah, has pneumonia in one lung. And the other little boy, Micah, has a fever and a rash. So he's right to the level as far as having to go on breathing and all of that. So it's, it's a serious thing for sure. We want to remember them today. Also, with a little bit of sadness in our hearts, I wanted to just say this. that Our precious Susan Mate, that's been with us for so many months, is heading back home to Kenya. And we just wanted to say how much we love you, Sister Susan. We're going to miss you. She's been here for about six months, I believe, something like that. I've known these folks for years and years and years on my trips to, to Kenya, and they've always been so special to me. May God bless you, sister. How many would like to be remembered today? You have a need, a request on your heart. I'm sure all of us do. Heavenly Father, as we bow our heads to the dust of the earth from whence we were taken, and unless the change comes, we will all go back that same way. But while we are here, we certainly desire to be the type of people you want us to be. For most of us that are here today in this building, we are not here to become Christians. We're not here to become believers. We are not here, many of us, to receive the Holy Ghost. We are not here to find eternal life, but we are here to learn how we can be a better people, a people that are truly, as Paul said about this precious brother of ours, effectual people, people that are contagious, people that when others get around us, they want to be around us more. I pray that you would help us with that, Father. In the name of Jesus, would you minister to those that are sick and needy? Father, little Jonah, in the name of Jesus, may the Spirit of God go into the hospital where that little baby is today. Satan, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. Leave this child. Father, our brother Mike Pinkston in the hospital still, we're praying for your mercy to him. Help him, Lord. My daughter Alicia is still not feeling well today. Father, pray that you'd move for her. Others that are sick and needy, touch your people. Speak to us as only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> I don't believe our Lord Jesus could have 
completely fulfilled a journey on the earth in the act of kenosis, which is the emptying out of himself for a, a greater purpose than what he felt like keeping himself in that realm was. That may be overwhelming to us, but he felt the purpose of emptying himself out would be greater than staying that way. And he did it, of course, for us. Truly, he could not have died in the Logos form. He could not have become sin on a tree in that form of the word. So there's only one way he could do it, and that was to empty himself into another form. By that, there was much that he laid aside, and he took on something that he had never had before, and that was total humanity. He appeared in various times in the Old Testament in different forms, a cloud, a fire, a light, a theophany, in different ways, but he had never taken on a permanent flesh body. And he didn't want to just take on a permanent flesh body that was in a glorified state, but he must first go through the human side, which is the great side of weakness, then glorify that body, and then make a way to bring others in that same pattern. We know that he suffered in his body sickness and disease and all different types of things like that. But for myself, looking at the condescension that he stepped into, I cannot believe that he would have done all of that and never stepped into the part that most of us deal with every day. And that is so much negativity in our lives. We're born that way. We're born negative. We're born with all types of sad things that's going to happen to us in our life. Some of you teenagers have already experienced more in your life than some have at 50, 60, 70 years old. Because of the trauma, the sadness, maybe divorce in your home, maybe someone with a, a very, very bad disease, and you, you're having to experience that in your life. I, I just cannot believe that our Lord would have felt that he completed the journey to the earth without he himself experiencing a lot of negative things. By that, I don't mean that he himself was negative, but that he allowed a lot of negative things to come to him. And I, as I was thinking this morning, wondering about our Lord and how that he constantly was saying, I am this and I am that. I am the way. I am the truth. I am this and I am that. I came from God. And I begin to think and look at it in a little bit different way than I'd ever looked at it before because I know that he was saying that that it would be written in the Word and that generations would be able to read that and know who he was. But I began to wonder as I was thinking about it this morning if part of that acknowledgement was not for himself. That he would be able to keep before him who he was and what he was here for. Did he say it for us? No doubt he did. But he was the very author of faith. So he would truly know how important it is to say what the Word says about you. 
Now, truly, the Bible doesn't give us a lot of examples of Jesus going through a lot of negative things. We know that he was, he was born under the Roman times, and he was persecuted from the, born, the day that he was born until the day that he died. And we know that he dealt with a lot of things around him by the people that were around him. Hardly nobody knew who he was. Even the disciples who knew, they got it so slowly. No doubt he dealt with so much negative things, even from the people he had chosen to be around him. They argued, they fussed, they debate, wanted to know who's going to be the greatest, who's going to have the biggest ministry, all that sort of thing. And that was certainly a negative aspect that the Lord Jesus never had to deal with himself. There was no one greater than him, and yet no one could come as low as he came. So he never dealt with that, but he must have allowed himself to feel that feeling of what it's like to be negative, to be sad. As a matter of fact, the prophet Isaiah told us that he was oppressed, and that word means depression. So he must have felt this, this element of depression. By what? That he was a sinner? No, he wasn't that. Because he had messed up terribly, he never messed up one time. He never said one wrong word, never thought one thought from a sinful nature because he didn't have a sinful nature. So wonder why he got oppressed. Wonder why he felt sad. Wonder why that he felt as if though he needed the word to encourage him. Well, it could only be from the world that he was living in and the people that he was around because it never generated from himself. Unlike you and I, we don't have to be around too many negative people. All we gotta be around is ourself. And we get just enough negativity from ourselves. I don't need none of yours. In reality, you don't need none of mine. But yet, because we're all born in this, and it's what the prophet called the law of contrast. And we know under the law of contrast, it takes both positive and negative to make it work. One day, thank God, the law of contrast will be annihilated and we'll no longer need that. But yet, under the law of contrast, which is all we've ever known, The Lord God allowed himself to be subject not only to the law of sickness and the law of death and the law of suffering and the law of persecution, but he also allowed himself to be born under the law of contrast. All he'd ever known was the positive side. All he'd ever known was the goodness and the mercy and the gentleness and all that was good about God. So he allowed himself to experience what mortals would experience being born under this law of contrast, which is great negativity. So we would think negative, and and a lot of you are probably like me and most every other human on the earth, that whenever we go to hear some bad news, most of us many times will always make it worse than what it really is. Now wonder who taught us how to do that. Who taught us how to exaggerate in a negative way? Who taught us to think the worst about circumstances? Who taught us to think the worst about people? Who taught us to think the worst about people that we even go to church with? People that we love, even time family members sometimes. And someone will tell you, I've got something to tell you. Oh, I've got something to tell you. Why is it that most of us will always go toward it's bad? I know it's awful. It's absolutely terrible. 
she's fell in adultery. Oh no, he's run off with somebody else's wife. Oh no, they've done this. And they tell you to say, well, no, it wasn't nothing bad at all. It was actually good. I got a raise at, the, at my job. And they cut my hours back four hours on the day. Ain't that wonderful? But why is it we think more negative than we do positive? Now, for the Lord Jesus to be able to understand and be the high priest of our souls, he himself, would you agree, he himself would have had to experience this element of being negative or at least battle it and allow his human nature to feel it that way. Now, the Old Testament, of course, covers this quite well uh, in, in a different way than, than the aspect of the new. So let us read a few scriptures, if you will, this morning in Psalms uh, nineteen fourteen. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Now, David, of course, knew that he himself had been born a sinner, never able to be reborn the way we are. But he saw that there was a power in the word. Now, remember, he didn't even have the New Testament. He did not have these beloved scriptures of St. John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will. He didn't have many of these positive things that God has given us. So what did he have? The Ten Commandments. And he had the Torah, which was made up basically of thou shalt not, 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 thou shalt not. And yet he said he loved that more than he loved his necessary food. Can you imagine how he'd cut up if he'd been in the New Testament? (laughs) When most of the Old Testament, or the Torah anyway, was negative. So don't do this and don't do that. If you do it, I'm going to get you. If you mess up, I'm going to punish you. If you mess up, I'm gonna take you out of the good land. And David loved that part of the word. My goodness, if he would have sat in word of life today, the deacons had done escorted him out because a man wouldn't have been able to contain himself. Now notice again in Psalms 141.3, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. How many needs a watch before yours? Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Now right here is the biggest door in your life. Out of that door comes much of our own difficulty. It comes much of our own issues and much of our own problems. Y'all gonna preach with me now this morning? Keep the door of, before my mouth, keep the door of my lips. So David takes the lips as if though they are the entrance or the exit by which good things come out or bad things come out. Again, Proverbs 6, 2, Solomon wrote it this way, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth, thou art taken. Now what he's doing, he's using the words of a fowler or a hunter, one that would lay a snare or would lay a trap. And then they would put something in there. So depending on what you were doing, if it was an animal that you would after, you would take a bird and you would tie a wing or something like that and the bird would lay there and flop and flop and he couldn't get out because he was tied. So a caracal, a jackal, whatever it was, would hear it and see it and it would be screaming, screaming, screaming and it was just absolutely baiting itself. 
So out of this bird's mouth would come distress and cries for mercy. And the caracal or the, the jackal, whatever it was, would hear it. And it would hear it, get closer, closer. It would spot it. It would watch it. Now, what's it doing? Actually, the hunter was the one who put that in there. And he's going to bait the trap. So David's likened our mouths uh, in the same way that Solomon did, that our mouths can be a snare or our mouths can be a trap that will entrap our lives of what God wants us to be and can so affect us that we don't become effectual in the promise of his word. God help us. Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. So we said this way then, that a jackal comes real close and there's a rabbit inside of there and the, the hunter has placed the rabbit, tied its leg uh, to a stake. The jackal cannot see the, the rope, of course, and the little rabbit is pulling, pulling, pulling. And if you ever heard one, they make one of the most pitiful screams. It's, it's terrible to hear it. And it's a scream of pain and agony. And it will come in there and when it does, it totally overlooks the snare which has been laid, not for the rabbit, but has been laid for the caracal or for the jackal or whatever more. And he will come in precautiously, nervously. And when he steps his foot, the hunter has laid a leaf or a brown something on the top of that to hide it. But he must step into that in order to get the rabbit. He must step into that in order to get the bird. And here he comes, laid right in his path, and he's walking so carefully, and he puts one foot on it, and when he does, he sets the trap. Now, he thought he was going after something to eat. But you see, there was a mind which was more intelligent than his own that had laid a snare for him that's something that appealed to him. Well, the devil lays many snares for us. Now, I know some of y'all are thinking, well, it's pornography. And some of you are thinking, well, it's smoking or it's drinking. And sometimes it can be that way. But many times, it's this thing right here. Everybody's got one, I reckon, this morning, don't they? You need to watch that thing because it'll get you in more trouble than you can get out of. I'm telling you that right now. So it becomes a snare if we allow it to be so. Now, it doesn't have to be. But notice again Proverbs 13, 3. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. But he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Now you can imagine if David and Solomon would have known about Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, and all the rest of the things that we have in this day, Lord have mercy, they would have committed chapter after chapter after chapter to all this stuff. Notice again Proverbs 15, 4. A wholesome tongue, a wholesome tongue. Look at the word wholesome. Health and healing. So a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. But perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. My, my. Now I wonder how many of us have got briars and brambles in our tongue instead of a tree of life. 
Well, I'm no good, I'm no count, I'm not acceptable, nobody loves me, God will never do nothing for me. You need to get that out of your mouth, friends. You need to replace that with a wholesome tree. Bear with me a little bit and we'll get to the good part in a bit. Now, notice again in Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Matthew 12, 37, for by thy words thou shalt be justified and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Now remember the Lord Jesus was not born the way we were so naturally it comes to us to do this. It, 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 we just tend to be that way. We're more prone to be negative than we are positive. Now you can read all the self-help books that you want. You can go to the library and check them all out. You can go to Amazon and you can do whatever you want. But I'm not talking about mind over matter necessarily. I'm talking about God's word in your mouth. Not you just saying, well, I'm a good person. I'm this and that. I'm great. I'm wonderful. I'm divine. You're a blabbermouth leading your soul to hell. You are lost. You are miserable. You are no good. You are rotten just like me and everybody else in this building today. We can only say what we are in Christ. Notice the way Paul addressed Philemon, and he did not say, now, brother, brag on yourself. Talk about how good you are. Talk about how wonderful you are. He said you've got to acknowledge what you are in Christ Jesus. Not acknowledge what you are in the flesh. Not acknowledge what you are being a Reagan or a Hughes or a Brown or a Smith or a Gilruth or whatever you are because there's none of us have got a whole lot to brag about when it comes to that. But the key was that Paul wanted this brother. Now, he was an effectual Christian. He was a Christian that had such energy about him. And he, he was contagious. What an identification. So being around this brother, he would just lift people up. Now, this man wasn't even a preacher. He wasn't even a deacon. He wasn't a trustee as far as we know. But he was just a lay member that got on fire with the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you what, that man got so lit inside of his soul that people could be down and just, you know, weary and upset. And they'd get around this brother Philemon and he'd go to talking about the good things of God and the mercy of God. And they would just be so refreshed when they got done. And Paul acknowledged. Now, you imagine this man's name got wrote in the New Testament. What an identification. His name has been called for over 2,000 years. This brother's name has been written in every continent on the earth. It's been translated into every language which the New Testament has been written in. Not because he cast out devils. Not because the man walked on water. Not because the man, well, I wish somebody would preach with me this morning. Not because this man raised the dead. He did not say because, brother, you have memorized every, every word in the New Testament. He was known because he was such an energetic guy to be around. Now, no doubt the man fought battles and he went through all types of things. But somehow he had learned a key that there's a way to be 
positive, to maintain being positive in Christ Jesus, even though you might be sick and you might be facing battles in your life, but you realize your sickness is not what you are in Christ Jesus. Your sickness is what you are because you're in your flesh. Your depression is what you are because you're in your, in your flesh, but your healing is what you are because you're in Christ Jesus. Your deliverance is what you are because you are in Christ Jesus. So we will acknowledge one or the other. Well, my lumbago is so bad. My big toe is killing me. My back is hurting me. My side is my pleurisy. I know that's what it is. And most of us are more educated about sicknesses than we are about healing. Well, come on now. All of us know how to do Dr. Google, don't we? So we get a little symptom. What do we do? We go to WebMD.com or we go to Mayo.com and we diagnose ourselves and we diagnose each other. I wonder how many of us have diagnosed ourselves with much worse than what we ever had in the first place. Oh, Lord God, I've got walking pneumonia. Oh, Lord, I've got infantigo. I've got this and that and the other. It might not have been nothing but just a little bit of cold, but you spoke yourself right into a worse condition than what you had initially. For a lot of us, the devil don't have to say a whole lot. All he's got to do is give us a little bit and we take care of the rest of it because we're so negative and we're so down and we're so weary. I'll tell you one thing. Jesus Christ is not coming for a defeated church. He's not coming for a defeated bride that can barely hang on from Sunday to Wednesday. I believe our Lord is coming for the people that are a victorious people, a people that are more than a conqueror. We are not just survivors. We are not just barely going to make it. Oh, hallelujah. We have already made it by the grace of God. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Oh, you say, Brother Donnie, you've been listening to Kenneth Hagin. You've been listening to Kenneth Copeland. No, I've been listening to Elijah. And Elijah said it this way, if your number's not called tonight in the prayer line and God reveals your heart and speaks to you and gives you deliverance there, don't never have no kind of a testimony, only that he healed you. Because if you do, if you one time testify to the other side, I want you to listen how powerful that a negative testimony is. You don't have to do it day in and day out, week in, week out, month in, month out. All you gotta do is one time. Listen how powerful it is. If you one time testify to the other side, the negative side, it will come back to you worse than it ever was. Isn't that amazing? So one time, you testify negative. Well, I got prayed for, but I didn't feel one thing when Brother Donnie prayed for me. Brother Darrell prayed for me, and I didn't feel one thing. And as a matter of fact, I got worse, which is the best sign that you got healed. But you know what symptoms does to a lot of people? It talks them right out of the healing, right out of their miracle. Oh, I, I guarantee you there's people sitting here today that they need a miracle. And the truth of it is you probably ain't that far from it. And God's waiting to see that you'll be faithful right down to the last confession. Just think of it. You might not be but one confession away from a total deliverance of whatever it is that's bothering you. You might not be, but oh, hallelujah. You might not be 
but one confession away from something that you have fought for years and years and it may look like to the natural eye you're farther away. That's only the devil trying to tell you that. He's scared to death because he knows you're within that close of your miracle. You're within that close of your healing. You're within that close of God saving your husband, saving your wife, bringing your children back to the economy of God. Hold your confession, brother, sister. Keep speaking the word until it becomes so energetic, hallelujah, that it causes a revival down in your soul. Oh my goodness, the negative side, it will come back worse than you ever was. I love the way he says this. As I was with Moses, let him this week say, I am strong. See, just say it in your heart that I am strong. I have now accepted Jesus as my healer. Never have any negative testimony anymore. Never. Just believe it. God is under obligation. Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of the Father to accept you. He's sitting there as the high priest of your confession to make good before the Father anything that he died for that you're confessing that he done. And the church said, notice again, healing is not something you say, well, yeah, I believe it, I believe it. That's all right if that's the best you can do. Just mentally or just say, well, yeah, I see it. I believe that, I accept it. That if you accept it on those basis, you say, what am I supposed to do? I'm fixing to tell you. Keep saying it over and over. Say it out loud. Oh, Brother Donnie, I say it to myself. Say it out loud. So yourself will hear yourself saying it. So yourself will hear yourself. My husband is going to be saved. My husband's going to have the Holy Ghost. My wife's going to be delivered. My child is going to be healed of this, whatever it is. Satan, you might as well get out of the way because it's fixing to happen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, glory, you imagine the prophet Darren, whenever he's in Africa, and he said a man had never walked in his life, had been crippled his entire life, but he heard of the signs and the wonders and the miracles that God had done. And on his way to service, the man bought himself a pair of shoes. Hallelujah. While he was putting his face into action, guess what? After the service that night, he put them on and wore them out. Why? Because glory, he believed, he believed enough to act on the promise of God. Well, you said, Brother Donnie, the doctor ain't giving me six months to live. I'll tell you what I'd do if I was you. I'd start looking up a cruise maybe on the Caribbean. I'd maybe look at a vacation up to Alaska or even one to Asheville if you can't afford no farther than that. I would not plan out my funeral. I would not pick out my flowers. I would not line up the preachers. I'll tell you when I do that, it's when God tells you. When is God God going to start using the devil. I'll tell him every now and then when he tells me you can't make it and this and that and the other, I'll start saying, oh, did you get saved? Then when did God start using you as a mascot to give me a message? If God wants to tell me something, he ain't going to use the devil. If God wants to tell you something, he ain't going to use the devil. He's going to use the Holy Ghost. He's going to use the word. He's going to use the prophet of God. He's going to use a man of God. So when the devil goes to telling you that stuff, tell him to shut up. Zip it up, devil. I ain't got time to listen to you. (laughs) 
Now notice how you are. You're born under this law of contrast even after you're born again. He says, you just say, well, I believe it. I accept it. Then you accept it on that basis. Keep saying it over and over. Say it out loud. Say it over and over. Just keep saying, I'm healed. I'm healed. Say it until you actually believe it. So you mean sometimes we're not actually believing what we're saying yet? Yet? Why would that do that? Because there's something about you hearing yourself say it. It's not enough that you hear me say it. It's not enough that you hear Brother Darrell and these other minister brothers say it. You've got to say it yourself. And you've got to say it out loud. Why? Because the man in the engine room and the man up here in the head are two different men. And the man down there in the engine room is the one who really, really believes. You may sit up here, oh, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. And the man down there says, you better not say that now. You better not testify. You know every time you testify, you get worse. How many notice that? I've seen it whenever we go to testifying about God doing something for Erica. It never seems like it never ceases to amaze me how Satan will do it. I'll testify of something. She'll testify. Her mama will testify. Liz will testify. How's Erica? Well, she's doing good. Praise the Lord. She's had some really good days. It's amazing whenever you publicly will acknowledge it and the devil will turn right around and make you worse. How many ever experienced that same thing? You're dealing with a situation. You testify. Praise God. I believe I got the Holy Ghost. I believe the Lord delivered me of this and that and then you think boy within a week's time you ain't fighting nothing but devils everywhere and you say well I I think I'm going to testify again that's exactly what he wants you to do he uses that intimidation on you to keep you from testifying of the goodness of God because there's such power in you saying the word yourself. Listen to me, body. You're going to be healed. Listen to me, body. You're going to be delivered. Hallelujah. Listen to me, body. Oh, Brother Donnie, should I tell other people? I would. I would because it might be right there as it was with John Ryan when he was sitting there getting a shave and a haircut and he's blind as a bat yet he believed what God's prophet told him is that right and they ridiculed him in the barber shop making fun of him in the barber shop oh I heard you went down to that holy roller meeting I heard you got healed yep praise the Lord of death well I heard yeah well how come you're still blind all of a sudden out of his mouth come his confession of faith and his eyes come open sitting right there in the barber chair Oh, glory to God. Here he goes running down the street with shaving cream all over his face. And there goes the barber running right after him. Why? He spoke his own deliverance. He was only one confession. Oh, hallelujah. He was only one confession away from a full manifestation of his deliverance. Well, I got to be honest. Yeah, I do. I'm a preacher, and uh, I study the Word. Pardon me while I fix this mic. I study the Word. I preach the Word. And I confess the Word. But sometimes, apparently, I don't believe it. Oh, you self-righteous hypocrites going to sit there and judge me, ain't you? Y'all might as well say, man, there's times you don't believe it either. You believe it up here, but you're still afraid down here it won't happen. It's absolutely amazing when you as a believer start believing. (laughs) 
Brother Todd, oh my God, I cannot believe why. I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest what you need to be with yourself. Don't blame God. And a lot of times that ain't even the devil's fault. It's our fault. Don't have a negative testimony. Every time when you confess, well, I still feel bad today. You go straight back in the same rut that you was at in the beginning. There's not a man or woman in here baptized. Now listen to this. With the Holy Spirit. But what you start your confession, I believe I've lost the Holy Spirit. I've lost the Holy Spirit. I believe it's gone from me. You'll go right down. Has it left you? Not by the seal of God, no. But you believe it has. And you will start down. Notice this again. Don't never have a negative testimony. Testify positive. Jesus has healed me. I'm well. Go and you'll receive your healing. You said that's too simple. It is. It's too simple for us. Well, you want some rocket scientist standing up here today to preach to you? Tell you power square? Well, every pie I ever saw was round. I mean, maybe people around the world make square pies, but I ain't never seen one of them. Well, you want some great theologian to stand up here and fill your head with a bunch of intellectual something? Or do we not be able to hear the word of God that'll make what we've already heard so effectual in our lives? Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Notice this, he says, again, let me skip down about a paragraph or so. There's not a Christian in here, no matter how solid you are in the faith. Right now that you, something happened to get a hold of you and you are not a Christian and you start testifying, well, I'm not a Christian no more. You dropped right then. You're no more a Christian anymore as soon as you testify that you're not a Christian. You dropped from grace. Did God cut you off? You did. Did the pastor cut you off? You did. What's what? As soon as you testify you're not a Christian, you drop from grace right then. You're fallen. Your own speech tells what you are. Oh, my goodness. Well, Brother Donnie, what can I do? How can we be able to handle this? Oh, friend, God has even made it, though we're still in these types of bodies that he will make your body obey your confession. Let's skip down again there, brothers. Let's go to who is God, 1950. Remember, God will make your body come into your confession. If you say you're a drunkard and want to drink, don't worry, you'll soon be one. Now notice he didn't say they were but they would soon be one because of their confession. If you say you're a sinner and want to sin, you'll be right into it. If you say you're a Christian and believe it alone, God will bring it. Your testimony will bring you right into it. This is one reason I love to testify about the rapture. I love to testify about the changing power of God. It's going to bring me right into it by the grace of the Lord. God will make your body Obey your confession. Now, 
let's jump another one, brothers. Come down to Philemon chapter one, verse six. That the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Oh, Brother Donnie, I don't know what to say. I'm fixing to help you. Now, I may get fast, and I may get so fast, I sound like a Gatling gun, but these will be on the notes so you can study them. You can say things like this. I'm forgiven. Come down and show them to my brothers. I'm forgiven. I'm saved. I'm redeemed. I'm justified. Well, that's enough right there to take a series on. I'm forgiven. On what basis? Because he died that I could be. I'm saved. Why? I've accepted God's provided way for salvation which does not include feelings. It says nothing about if you don't feel it, you ain't got it. It don't say nothing about it works on Sunday, but it ain't good on Monday. My Holy Ghost is good on Monday through Sunday, Sunday through Saturday. It's good 24-7. It even covers leap year. Amen. I am, hallelujah, I am forgiven. I am saved, I am redeemed, I'm not who I was. I was a sinner born to this world, lost, blind, wretched, miserable, deserving of hell as far as my own nature, but I have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I have been bought, a price has been paid for me. I do not belong to the devil. He has no claim on me. He has no claim on my soul. He has no claim on my walk. I am more than a conqueror. I have victory in Christ Jesus because I am redeemed. I'm justified. Justified us freely by his grace. I'm not just forgiven. I am justified under the opening of the seventh seal. It was that you never did it in the first place. Hallelujah. I am bought and purchased so I don't belong to myself. And this is one reason why I don't preach what you all want me to, because you all don't own me. The message people don't own me. The devil don't own me. There's one that owns me, that's my boss, and I obey him. I am bought and purchased. My body is his temple, hallelujah, where God once dwelt in the Old Testament, in the tabernacle and in the temple. Now the spirit of God dwells in my body and your body. My body is a temple of the Lord. I have eternal life. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I have eternal life. I ain't gonna get it after a while, Brother Jack. I'm not gonna win just some lottery and see if I can be able to do some good marriage so I can be able to get eternal life. I already have it this morning right in my possession. I have eternal life. I wonder what kind of people we'd turn into if this is what we started posting on Facebook. People would think you're nuts. I'd rather them think you're nuts than some lying, gossiping, troublemaking church member. Well, preach, Brother Donnie. I have eternal life. I have access to God. 
I have access to God. At one time, I couldn't even approach him. At one time, I was not even worthy to call upon his name, but I've got access to him 24 hours a day. I've got access to him when you are sick and you call me three or four o'clock in the morning and I wake up out of a dead sleep. I have access to the throne of God. I have access when my children are sick. I have access when I'm feeling down. I have access, oh glory to God, when the devil says he's gonna kill me. I have access whenever I feel it. I have access when I don't. I have access when I'm up. I have access when I'm down. I have access when I'm in the middle. I've got access anytime I need it. Access to healing, access to deliverance, access to salvation, access to whatever I need from the presence of God. Hang with me now. I'm inseparable from Christ. Glory to God. I am inseparable. Well, the Lord lets me preach this to some of these youth camps I'm scheduled to preach this year. I am inseparable from Christ. I can no more be lost than Christ himself can be lost. The devil can no more pull me out of the hand of God than he can pull Christ Jesus out of the very heart of God. You are inseparable. He loves you. He died for you. He died so that you would be able to be born again and never be separated again. At one time we were separated from the presence of God, but not anymore. But I don't feel it. But whenever you don't feel it, still keep quoting it. I am inseparable. I may not feel it. It may not look good, but I am inseparable. I'm more than a conqueror. But this is some of us. Preach to me, Brother Donnie. Have mercy, God. Have mercy. I'm at my last dying breath. Now I lay me down to sleep. No doubt I'll never make another peep. Or you can be like the the wife of Muhammad Ali. So Muhammad Ali would practice. Fly like a butterfly. Hit him, do that. And then he fought and knocked their lights out. He's a conqueror. But his wife walks in and says, I'll take the check. Hallelujah, hallelujah. She didn't have to exercise. She didn't have to run around and around and around and lift weights and watch what she wanted to eat. Oh my, she didn't have to count her calories and count her protein, but she could just live life. Oh, glory to God. You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to die on the cross. You don't have to go down to Hades. It was your husband. Oh, glory. 
wash our hands by the Lord Jesus that did that for you. And what does he want you to do? Take the check, sweetheart. Take the check, it's yours. I've got your name wrote all over it. It's yours, it's yours. So imagine Muhammad Ali. How'd I do? Done great. Thank you. I'm going to Macy's. I'm going to Penny's. Oh, glory to God. If our Lord Jesus would ask us the question this morning, how did I do against sin? Would say, Master, you defeated it. How did I do against cancer? You stomped it right back down into hell. How did I do against sin? How did I do against adultery? Then here, darling, take the chance. For years, since I've been receiving a check from Happy Valley Church, I probably haven't signed that check a dozen times. Because there's someone else here who signs it. As a matter of fact, if I signed it, they'd probably stop it at the bank because they'd say, that ain't the signature we've been seeing for 35 years. Hallelujah. Why? She can go right there and deposit it. In whose name? In mine. She carries the checkbook. So if she wants to write somebody a check, she has my name, my authority. Oh, hallelujah. If you get only realize the Lord Jesus gives you a whole book full of checks when you got saved. And you know what? He gives you every one you'll ever need for every battle, every sickness, every disease, every heartache, every trial, every test you'd ever go through. All you got to do is sign that thing and pull right up to the teller of heaven and say, I need a good dose of the Holy Ghost today. I need some divine healing in my body. Well, go ahead and sign your check. Oh, well, you say, Brother Donnie, will they check our ID? Yep, we already have an ID. That's the blood of the Lord Jesus by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And whenever you pull up in there, you know how it is now. With what we've got today, I've got it set up here in my iPad, and I've got face ID. So whenever I touch that little home button at the bottom, what will it do? It looks at this ugly mug and says, yep, that's him. All right, go ahead and open it up. Well, I'll tell you, I've got more than that. I've got more than that when it comes to my account in heaven. So if I need healing, I've got a face ID. But when the Lord looks, he don't see my face. He sees the face of the master. He don't see your face. And he says, oh, all my flaws, all my shortcomings. That's right. We've got scars. We've got problems. We've got trouble. But he sees his face, his face. It's his face that opens everything you need. He will renew my strength. I have value in God's eyes. I am the apple of his eye. Now that does not mean what us Westerners think. That you're looking up in the apple tree, which you'd have a hard time doing in the wintertime, wouldn't you? So you look up in the apple tree and say, oh, I want that apple so bad, so bad. Oh, no. This Hebrew rendering here is not that you're looking on an apple tree. It is actually the pupil in your eye called the apple. So I am the pupil of his eye. When he looks out, he looks through grace and mercy 
That's the way he sees me. I'm not an apple hanging on a tree. I'm an attribute from his soul. A soul of God that was in God before the foundation of the world. I am the apple of his eye. Well, if I don't hurry, I ain't never gonna get done. I am accepted in Christ. God will meet my needs. I am made the righteousness of God in him. I hope every devil in here nearly suffocates. Time we get done with this today. I am loved by God. He cares for me. Amen. I am watched over. Boy, I better not. I've done got a whole bunch. I don't need to get any more. I'm an overcomer. I have self-control. The Lord is my strength. He is my deliverer. He will strengthen me. He is my defense. He is my refuge. He is my peace. He is my mediator. He will work all things for my good. I am his workmanship. He will complete me. I have a sound mind. I'm needed in the body of Christ. He will keep me. I'm his and he is mine. Praise the Lord. I wonder what kind of homes we'd have, what kind of church we'd have if we'd take all this old negative stuff out of our mouth, out of our minds, and go to talking like this. It ain't no wonder. I like to never got this sermon together this morning. It ain't no wonder I had the office time ever was sending it to myself. It ain't no wonder I had to have Scotty, my son-in-law, to even help me because it was all conglomerated in the office, biggest mess that ever was, and letters was upside down and sideways, and I thought, what in the world is going on? Then I realized, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, you don't want your hide smoke, do you? But it's done too late now, devil. It's done on the fly. Ah, hallelujah. It's already in Africa. It's already in Europe. It's already here. God knows what we need. He is my shepherd, and I am his sheep. He loads me daily with benefits. You know, imagine the Lord just said, Jesus, would you back off a little bit? You say, with trials, no benefits. Oh, people look at you and say, man, you're, you're loaded down, ain't you? What is the sickness and trouble? It's goodness and mercy and righteousness and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and kindness. Oh, he's loading me daily with benefits. Is that what David said? He loads me daily with benefits. He brought me abundant life. He wants my fellowship. He is my sufficiency. He will never overload me. He will keep me. I have living water. I am his friend. I am his branch. I will bear fruit. I am in Christ. I am one spirit with him. I am complete in him. He is my high priest. 
He is the author and finisher of my faith. He is not ashamed of me. He is my brother. He is my healer. He hears my prayers. He answers my prayers. The Lord is my help. He is my peace provider. He is my help in the time of trouble. He will comfort me. His grace is sufficient. Shall I go on? He will never leave me nor forsake me. Sin has no dominion over me. I've been quickened from the dead. I'm an heir of God. I have an inheritance. No weapon against me will prosper. But in opposite to that, he wants me to prosper. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. God sent trials are for my good. I'm blessed. I'm happy. I'm blameless in him. I can forgive others. I will not avenge myself. Christ died for me. I have assurance he will keep me if I fall and make a mistake. I will get up. Hallelujah. If I fall and make a mistake, I will not quit. I will not lay there. I will get up. I am called, chosen, and faithful. I belong to a priesthood. I'm a written epistle. I can do what I need to do through Christ. I can ask in his name. If I submit, hallelujah, and resist, Satan will flee from me. When I overcome, I inherit all things. He will change my body. He will hold my right hand and help me. He will never leave me in his presence, his fullness of joy. He will preserve me. I am delivered from my enemies. I hope your computer brain's about to blow up right now. You say, how in the world can I remember all that? You can't, but it'll be right there for you after church so you can put it on your iPad, put it on your phone, put it on wherever you read so you can look at it daily, daily. You watch God change your life. You watch God transform you. He will deliver me from sickness and affliction. I have divine guidance. I have divine protection. He makes me dwell in safety. I will lay down in peace and sleep. He giveth his beloved sleep. When thou liest down, thy sleep shall be sweet. I am an attribute of God. God predestinated me to this age. No man can take my place. I came from the mind of God. I am a growing Christian. His presence is with me. Are you all hearing me? I have his presence when I feel nothing. I will not fear cancer. He rejoices over me. I am the object of his love. I bring God pleasure. Oh, glory to God. I belong to his kingdom. 
I will not fear failure. I am part of a glorious. You say, where did you get all them? I am part of a glorious church. I won't hold grudges. I must and will have perfect love. I will love like Jesus loves. I am a vessel of mercy prepared unto glory. I am a child of God. My angel is always with me. If God be for me, who can be against me? Heaven is my home. The rapture is for me. The marriage supper is for me. The millennium is for me. The holy city is my future home. (laughs) And the last one I'm going to put right in his face and pull the trigger. When there is no more devil. (laughs) When there is no more devil, I still will be. When there is no more sickness, when there is no more cancer, when there is no more trials, when there are no more tests, you will be shouting down the hills of glory, worshiping Almighty God. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's what you ought to be saying about who you are. And said, I ain't no good. I ain't no kind. I'm rotten. I'm low down. Get that garbage out of your mouth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Don't you love him? Hope the Lord lets me preach this in Louisiana camp. I tell you what, I'd like to be preaching some more down Brother Fred Mullen's church. That done tore that church smack down. (laughs) You white folks ain't quite as emotional as them black folks are. Y'all need a little help. Well, go ahead, Brother Donnie. Oh, don't you love him? How many wants to let this? Be your confession. This is who I am, God. These are not from the words of some intellectual person. You know I'm not that. These are backed up by God's words. God's words. You're all that I said this morning and even more. Even more. My goodness, if we was just one-third of all that, it would be unbelievable, would it not, since we were nothing? Since we were liars, drunks, homerungers, and whatever more, and we'd become all of that. I didn't even scratch the surface of what you are in him. What could we become, friends? You imagine poor Brother Philemon, bless his heart. He'd have been running through this church this morning. He'd have, them doors had been flying wide open. Every deacon in here had been after him. And if they'd have chased him out of the foyer there, Brother Fleeman had probably headed up on the parking lot. Johnson City Police would be after him by now. The rescue's going to said, this man is stark raving mad. So what in the world happened to him? He's listened to a Holy Ghost-filled preacher that began to tell him all he was in Christ Jesus. 
He had a spell when Paul wrote him back 2,000 years ago. But now that the seals have been opened, which wasn't open when Paul was here, don't you see how much more it tells us what we are? Why? You need that. You need it. We fight such discouragement in the day we're living. We need to hear these things. I need to hear them. Anybody else need to hear them? I'm too old to be preaching like this. Uh, another confession. I am old, but I'm fixing to be young. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Dear Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you for what we've heard. I've been wondering all week long as I'd sat down to study where I, I thought I was going to go today. I've been wondering why just something just didn't seem right. And I didn't know what it was. Even yesterday, Lord, sitting down last night studying, this morning, laying there wide awake, Lord, for hours, praying, Lord, what is it? What is it? I don't understand. And then, Lord, you started making it real to me. Thank you, Father. Truly, we needed to hear these things today. Oh, Jesus, may we be changed by these things, Father. May it not just be sayings that we write down, but may it become who we are. May we become so energized by the Word being effectual in our lives. Grant it, Father. I know each of us are different. We have no record that you ever danced in the Spirit when you were here. We have no record that you ever fell out in the Spirit. We have no record that you run around the walls of Jericho, many of those things. <clears throat> we have no record that Paul ever done any of that, Peter, James, John. And we don't believe that you're against that. But, Father, we know that people worship in different ways, and we know those that tend to be so extremely emotional, they tend to look at those that aren't. They say, well, they're not worshiping like I am. Well, if we're going to categorize them, that they'd have to put you out and put Paul out. Because we have no record Paul ever danced in the Spirit. I have no record that Peter... Andrew, John, but I believe they worshiped you, they praised you, they adored you with all of their hearts. So help us to move away from the carnality of wanting everybody to do like we do because we think we're the perfect example. Help us to realize your prophet gives us that variety when he talked about Paul, the scholarly preacher. Peter being the firebrand, Andrew one way, and John another way. That's the way you made them. No doubt there were people in that apostolic church, and they received the Holy Ghost, and they danced and shouted and received the presence of God. There was others that received the same Spirit of God. They might not have been near as emotional as the other, but they didn't measure it so much by the way they expressed their emotion. 
They measured it by the life they lived when they got done screaming and hollering. Help us, I pray, Father. I don't want these people to be like me. I don't want them to act like me. I want them to be the way you want them to be. Now, if there's some of them standing here today, Lord, and they're, they're scared of emotion, and they're scared, oh, if I turn loose, I'd scream and holler. I pray you would change them from that. But if they're standing here today and say, Lord, if you want me to run, I'll run. If you want me to scream, I'll scream. If you want me to jump straight up and down, I'll jump straight up and down. But, Lord, it'll take you to move me that way. Well, they're just as willing as the person who does it because that's what you're looking for, a willing heart. So if you want to dance us, shout us, jump us, run us, whatever you want to do, we're here today. We're fine with that. If you want us to stand here and cry and tickle tears trickling down our eyes as we rejoice over what we've heard today, I'm willing to do that too. Oh, Lord God, we bless you, Father. We worship you. I'm a worshiper. We could add more to our confession today. I'm a worshiper. I'm ordained to be a worshiper. Hallelujah. So we'll praise. We will adore. We will magnify your name. Some have been ordained that their testimony would be healed and delivered from cancer. Some have been ordained. We know the blind man, whenever the disciples said, Lord, who sinned, this man or his parents? He said, neither one, but the glory of God might be made manifest. Lord God, I wouldn't want have to go through what Brother Ron Spencer's went through for nothing in the world. Lord God, sometimes going before he ever goes to the pulpit, vomit eight, ten times before he ever gets there. I've sat by him on the platform and his sugar goes through the roof. And then other times bottom out. Yeah, Lord, we believe you're going to manifest a miracle in our brother's body. We know he's a miracle every day. The doctors are absolutely astounded by why he's even living. Lord, we're waiting for you to finish it up. Same with others that we're praying for, Father. You know how many Carol's been praying for a long time for Erica? All we ask from point A to point B, from day to day strength and all of that. But we've been giving you praise for a long time for that well body. Because I get pictures of her on my phone. My picture that I look at when I text her, when I call her. Is her hair hanging back down her back. Hallelujah. Not a look of sickness on her face, but the lookness of a well body. The expression of a well body. Hallelujah. Day by day we press the battle until that manifestation is complete. Not only her, but others here today. Father, I pray you administer to us, Lord. Help us, Jesus. Forgive me for my negativity. Forgive my sheep, Father. Forgive us for being, oh Lord, so negative. Help us, I pray, to be energized by the Spirit of God. We worship you, Jesus. We bless your name. Hallelujah. Come and just worship him now for just a little bit before we go. This is your house. We don't have to watch the clock this morning the way we did at Holiday Inn and be out at a certain time. We can be able to stick around a little and worship. And, oh, I know you got your dinner plans and all this, that, and other, but I really don't think there's any more important plans than what there are to be right now in the presence of God to you. Amen. How many wants God to just saturate your soul with this? Let it become 
who you are. Don't, don't forget about it by tomorrow, by Wednesday. Write these things down if you need to. Put them on your phone. You need a digital file, we'll be sure you've got it. We'll make it where you can download it, download it from our website. I don't care if your iPhone blows plumb up. <laughs> I don't care if your Samsung can't even Sam or Sung no more. Hold it right there and read it every day until you and those words become one. Will it eliminate my problems? No, but it'll give you joy in the middle of them. It'll give you peace in the middle of them. It'll help you. Let's sing this song. This is your house. This is his place, is it not? His place that he can speak to us. But it isn't just his, of course. We know it's his and ours together. Let's just worship him a little bit now. Oh, praise the Lord. Sing it for us. This is your house. Everybody now with all your heart. Father, come and dwell. Yes, Lord. This is your house, a holy house of prayer, where the lost and the lonely bring their burdens and their cares. This is your house. With all your heart, now. This is your house. Just sing it to him. Hallelujah. Come and dwell. Yes, Lord, of course. This is your house. Father, come and dwell. This is your house. What is it? A holy house of prayer where the lost and the lonely bring their burdens and their cares. This is your house. This is your house. Come and dwell. We dedicate this temple Let your glory fill your sanctuary. Be enthroned in the praises of your people. Lord, we agree in unity. This is your house. Father, this is your house. Come and Hallelujah. Oh, let's praise him now. This is your This is your house. Father, come and come and This is your house. Oh, holy house of prayer. Their burdens and their cares. This is your house. 
today, Lord God, every day, every individual, not only the visible audience, but the invisible Thank you, Jesus. Let healing and redemption redemption find certain certain souls. souls. Lord, have your way. We humbly pray this is your a holy house of prayer where the lost and the lonely can bring their burdens and their cares this is your house father this is your house this is your house father come and
for your mercy never fails me in all my days I've been held in your hand from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head oh I will sing of the goodness of God I love your voice Of the goodness of God. 
and I will sing of the goodness of God. Can you find Psalms 34? That's indeed. Do you appreciate the word this morning? Amen. You know, I, I so feel like what we heard this morning is we heard things that if we'll apply that to our lives, we'll be a different group of people. you believe that? But I believe that about Wednesday night that we just had and the Sunday before that. We're blessed people to hear what we hear, are we not? Let's just sing this together as we go this morning. Well, I sought the Lord and He answered me and delivered me from every fear those who look on him are radiant they'll never be ashamed they'll never be ashamed well this poor man cried and the lord heard me and saved me from my enemy, the Son of God surrounds His saints. He will deliver them. He will deliver them. Bless the Lord. 
Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He'll give you everything. He'll give you everything. Take up your cross. God bless you. Just go this morning. Remember the service Wednesday night. Just be careful leaving. Well, take up your cross and follow Jesus. Take up your cross every day. Don't be Say that you know him. Just count the cost. Take up your cross. Follow him. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. Take up your cross. 